kicking down this motherfucking door, and we're doing that. Let's get into it. If there's anything that could be haunted, for sure that what? fucking chair's haunted. Then again, the internet always wins. The internet always wins. Searching around about uh, this dog I found. Let's be frank, there's piss on the floor. Okay, welcome back for another week. This is Three Dudes and a Doc. Uh, this week we watched The Fog of War, Life Lessons. Yeah, Lessons from the Life of Robert S. McNamara. Uh, I am with Mitch and Christian as usual. Hello. Um, Hello. So yeah, so I've, I've had a request uh, from a loyal listener, Keith. Really? Um, to cool. let people know where they can watch... Uh, um, the documentaries each week. So oh. we, we do have our uh, spreadsheet on our Twitter. It's pinned to the top. Um, <laughs> yeah, pinned to the top of our Twitter. Uh, and then, uh, um, but yeah, so I'll let everyone know that this week you can rent it on YouTube. So that's the easiest yep. way to, yeah. to watch it. Thanks, um, Keith. So for the rent up. and buy that's it good. on YouTube. And the concern. Yeah. We do appreciate it. Um, yeah, so Robert S. McNamara. Fucking asshole. I don't hey. I, I think they complete opposite. Really? Yeah. One hundred percent. Explain yourself. <laughs> no, I mean like explain so, yourself. So he he wanted to scale down, him and JFK wanted to scale down the Vietnam War. Um he he's looked back on his life and like the title the title is Fog of War because Fuck it. When you're in the middle of it, you can't mm-hmm. see the end or you can't see your, your mind gets so clouded and, and yeah. your judgment gets so clouded. Can't see 10 minutes in front of you. Um, yeah. But yeah, like he, this is a basically a retrospective back on his life kind of lessons. He thinks if he had to go back and, uh, and redo his life over, he would do. And, and I think all 11 lessons are pretty spot on. Yeah. Yeah, he has cool stories how he like with like the I forget exactly what they were, but it would be like a direct story in his life mm-hmm. that came from like, oh know your enemy. Yeah. And then the thing with Khrushchev where one of the guys in Kennedy's cabinet used to like summer with Khrushchev and his wife. Well, yeah, he lived with so, him like, a few times at yeah, like, the ambassador to Russia. Because he knows if fucking Khrushchev's like likes peanut butter or whatever. Like, let this guy knows him. So yeah. that's like, yeah. And for McNamara to just sit back and be like, oh yeah, let's let's know. We're like, just take the information and know what's going on. I mean, he could have been like his boss in the Second World War, Curtis LeMay, that was basically a borderline psychopath. Yeah, that was just like, I will torch the whole fucking earth. It would. I'll do whatever to win a war like this is what this game is this is what we'll do the craziest thing about LeMay is like he totally destroys Japan and then after in like the 50s or the 60s I think it was the 50s Japan gave him the highest honor that a civilian can get in Japan because he rebuilt their air force after he completely just and the Japanese Uh. people were like 
basically in the 50s like thank you curtis lemay you're awesome i mean to be fair like he was um like a challenging opponent like and i think as much as i don't know japanese people i think they appreciate that kind of shit even though it decimates their country or anyone like it's all ideological you gotta have people like lemay and like mcnamara where you're just like look at the numbers yeah like that was surprisingly that's weird shit and where that like you're nerds winning for, a war for him to leave the presidency of the Ford Motor Company, um, which was yeah, it'd be like uh, the first non-actual Ford like family member. Yeah, yeah, and then and you then quit like, to run the yeah. military. Which that was a pretty funny story when Henry Ford's son was like, "Hey, McNamara, come and have a drink," and he's like, "No, no." And then this other guy's like, "I'll come and drink." And Henry Ford's son basically like, shut the fuck up. I didn't ask you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, man, that guy felt so tiny after that. Like, I'm just going to go leave and fucking shoot myself. Fuck you guys. I'm buying a Chrysler. Yeah. yeah. I, I think as far as, you know, U.S. historical figures go, I, you know, I, I think I have more respect for McNamara than, than most others. I would agree. I mean, like, as far as it goes, I honestly, like I said, asshole, because I really just don't like the idea of someone looking back on a particular career like his and being like, oh, sometimes you have to do bad things. And like, oh, is it worth it to I mean, kill 100,000 civilians sometimes? I mean, like in the grand scheme of things, sure. But that like, are I you mean, fucking kidding me? That was only one I'm lesson. Alive, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like if there's only one lesson and it's like preach God. Fuck that. But like one lesson is good enough to condemn someone about. Like if Hitler's just like, oh, like blonde haired people are great and like we should have socialism across the world, but also fuck the Jews. Be like, well, then you're condemned. Fuck but, it. But you don't think that that's a, a true lesson that um, to do some good, sometimes you have to do a little bit of evil? Um, I, I, I don't th- know. I think, I think a, that that's think, an unanswered question. I think it's a necessity sometimes. I think yeah. sometimes it's a product or even a byproduct, but I think to think, no. to go into the situation and being like, I guess I'm going to have to do this, be like, then you're not done thinking. I don't know. Like there's, there's, like he says, like, if you think that the way you did things was the best way to do them ever, you're fucking wrong. Maybe you shouldn't have yeah. that job. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I didn't like the, the, the self-righteousness. Like he's not willing to say he did something wrong. He's willing to say, oh, isn't it he wrong? Did. He did though. I don't know. I think, isn't like isn't he says that it's wrong to say something like that but does he ever actually say that he did things wrong directly and does he apologize no he says that it's wrong not to but he never actually does it well not in the documentary so when they're interviewing they said uh basically you know have you ever been wrong and he he says well well yeah of course Mm -hmm. and then like just kind of joking says but but not uh um that I'll, i'll admit but which which is but part of his personality, I think. Like, and he, at the time, he was like a sitting, like he was in the government at that time when he was right. getting interviewed. Was he? What so was he, he doing? Because he, I don't know. That he, was the black and white footage, right? When no. he was like younger. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it might. Yeah, I it can't was younger remember. stuff where he's like slick back hair. All yeah, cool guy. Like you well, motherfuckers aren't gonna get me. I thought I thought that was uh, one of the like the documentary yeah. interviews. So uh, this would have made the documentary like. 96 hours long yeah but it would have been interesting if earl morris is like so who do you think killed kennedy <laughs> and he's like wait what and like bro come on like what are we talking love about? The guy. Yeah. yeah like do you think 
we got evidence that your boss there, old Curtis Crazy LeMay, might have had something to do with it. Like, what do you think about that? It would have just been interesting if he's like, oh, I could see, I could see LeMay doing that. Or like, gives a real opinion, yeah. That's some crazy conspiracy shit. Or like, let me tell you a story once. You're like, holy fuck. Is there actually a theory that Curtis LeMay had something to do with it? Yeah, absolutely. LeMay was in the autopsy room when they were doing JFK's autopsy. And one of the doctors was like, why the fuck is there? Why do I smell smoke? Like, what is going on? This is an operation room. Like, you can't smoke in here. And they look up in the observation and they see someone smoking. So then the doctor goes to get an aide to be like, hey, go tell that person to stop smoking. The aide goes up to LeMay. Hey, you need to stop smoking. Curtis LeMay takes a giant haul off his cigar, looks at the kid and just blows it in the kid's face. And they're like, all right. And like, why was he in there anyways? Why was he in there sm- smoking a cigar? You smoke a cigar after a victory. Like oh, like I that shit. I mean, you're like, oh. But he always had a cigar. But there's just weird connections that you're like, yeah, like Christian said, like, why the fuck is he there? What does he have to yeah. do with the death of the president? Yeah. I mean, he was one of like the, the big, like the top generals in the. Or the yeah. Top, like, so he was the one that was like, we need to go blow shit up. And Kennedy is like, hey, calm the fuck down. No. Yeah. And then he just was like, oh, fucking Kennedy. Yeah. I just, um, I don't know. There was something I, I didn't like. Um, I think this is your anti-US bias. It is, for sure. I mean. Um, you hate everyone in this just because they're American? <laughs> no, I just, I hate that they play the game. And I know that to a degree. They, they to. I know that they have to. To a degree, you have to. But, um, I don't know. I think it's just, it's a lot of fucking, like, pissing contests globally. And that's not just the U.S.'s fault. They had a huge fucking hand in doing it, but it's not Mm -hmm. just their fault. For sure. Like he says at the end of the documentary, like, Errol Morris asks him and says, hey, like, do you regret Vietnam the way it happened? And he's like, you know he he does. You can tell by what he says. He just doesn't want to feel bad about it. No, but he said, but I... But I can't say that because then that opens up a whole new, like, he yeah, was wrong. Yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, yeah, it's that, a different documentary. For sure. sure. Yeah. So he, he basically tells the audience, yeah, fuck. I wish, I wish that never happened. Yeah. But it's done. I can't change it. Um, but I guess, I don't know. Like if, if we're looking back on history and assessing how the fuck everything went, you wouldn't just be candid about it. Like if you went out golfing today and you were like, Oh, I had a fucking shit day and I don't know why let's like, let's go back and like, maybe we can figure out why I didn't play golf very well today. But you want to do that so that the next game you're like, Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure he has to himself, to himself. But, but my game of golf between that and the Vietnam war is very different. No, but like, so even more so like didn't, in a completely blunt way, like your game of golf doesn't fucking matter. A hundred thousand people didn't die, but that's why he can't because that's why he should like, if anyone's going to do a retrospective truthfully to themselves or to the public and it's owed, it should be because of the death of a million people. But I I absolutely understand why he can't. I I understand why he won't, but I don't understand why he can't. Well, I think he deals yeah. with it at home when he gets in little arguments with his wife. His wife's like, "Remember in '67 when you got a hundred thousand <laughs> young American boys killed?" He's like, "Ah, oh, goddamn it, fuck, get off my back, yeah. Diane." 
Yeah. I don't know. I just, um, there's, there's something about the premise of this documentary that is very Errol Morris. Like he seems to find things about <laughs> like pop culture. I don't even know, like culture or history at large regarding mostly Americans. And he, he gives the other side that generally is disdained, um, a voice. Like he, he yeah. supports the, like the fairness of it all. Like, Oh, we've constantly condemned McNamara, but what does he have to say? I mean, like, but I don't I'm think, not too fucking concerned. I don't think McNamara is condemned. Now he was at the time. Yeah, he was at but, the time. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But I don't think people realize that really the Vietnam war as it was, wasn't his call. He no, tried to scale course. down and Lyndon Johnson yeah, said, yeah. no, that's not going to happen. Handed a pile yeah. of shit. But because he was a secretary of defense, it all rests on his shoulders. It right? looks like it's him. Of course. Yeah. Um, and obviously the, you know, the audio recordings, like the conversations clearly show it really wasn't. Yeah. Because uh, Lyndon know. B. Johnson was straight up crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, a what do you real think asshole. He do? He's just like a fat little bully. Like, I, we need to kill some people. Mm-hmm. Well, like, yeah, do you like, even know what's going on? Like, no. Matthew, I, we, I just want to see dead bodies. Yeah. McNamara like, says, uh, you know, like, you know, I, I have this, my speech. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I wonder that you don't mention anything about Vietnam. It's like, yeah, like, I wasn't going to. No, you need to do something about it and not about withdrawing. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> for making me walk so what do I say? What do you think? Yeah. 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 No, I understand that it was a tough job for him and it was, it wouldn't have been easy and it likely would have been worse had he been like, you know what? Fuck this. You're being a real fucking cunt and I'm not going to play this game. I quit. Yeah. yeah. Like they're going to yeah, get like, so. Johnson's going to get someone in there. That's going to just roll over. Sure. And scratch yeah, yes, man. Fat yeah. fucking, yeah, he's a yes man. So like, it's probably best that someone like McNamara was there. Yeah. I think it was, uh, a bit of a a cop-out for him to be like, oh, and then I, I had an ethics class in college, and then I went on to be the president of the Ford Motor Company, and fuck it, that doesn't count. Like, <laughs> three months of one ethics class does not make you a fucking philosopher. You don't know what the best option is. Yeah, you're a smart guy. I don't know. I just, like, there's, there's so much that sort of rubs me the wrong way about this one, but yeah. it's a good documentary. Mm-hmm. It's a good documentary. Absolutely. I will say that. So, I feel like there's very few people that have had that position that would have done a documentary like this. Right. Oh, yeah. Could you see Donald Rumsfeld doing this? No. Oh, yeah. dude, it, he would just be like, yeah. You know who yeah, would do a documentary weird. like this? Um, General like, Patton. You want to show, I don't understand. So you want me to show emotion for the people that I got killed? Like, I don't, what are you talking about? Do you know who I am? I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So he's just in like a solid gold chair. He's like, this is the benefits of war. That's pretty sick. So the, uh, the 11 lessons that, uh, uh, McNamara gives, uh, in this documentary are number one, empathize with your enemy Two, rationality will not save us. Three, there's something beyond oneself Four, maximize efficiency. Five proportionality should, should be a guideline in war. Six, get the data. Seven, belief and seeing are both often wrong. Eight, be prepared to re-examine your reasoning. Nine, in order to do good, you may have to engage in evil. Ten, never say never. And eleven, you can't save or can't change human nature. So, I mean, yeah. obviously, Christian, we know you don't agree with the in order to good 
to do good, you may have to engage in evil. And this isn't saying oh, that. Oh, well, fuck. The word may changes everything yeah. there. It does, because yeah. it, it allows you to do good with no evil, and it yeah. allows you to incorporate evil into any action as long as the end goal is good, but then, like, what is good? Because, like, Hitler, from his perspective, not a little bit of evil, like having to send my Germans into war to eventually purify the Aryan race, that's okay, that's evil, but for a good thing. But So, like, I don't know, what the fuck is good? But the majority of people don't see that as good. One guy saw that as good. But right? it doesn't matter. Yeah. It happened. Like, yeah. like Hitler's version of good is not good to the majority of people, but to him it was. So whatever. That happened anyways. Like he went forward with the plan and it happened. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. Like yeah. it's it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like what what I think yeah, well, is like good is not right what you now, think is like good. What Precisely. Winnie the Pooh th- well, Winnie the Pooh thinks is good is obvious yeah. like everyone's like, Yeah, that's good. We're, yeah, we're good. I mean from his perspective, he's like what I'm not going to do it another way. Another way is oh, inferior. So like that has to be so sick. Like I don't understand how those people don't get like the guy from fucking um oh god damn it. I forgot the name of the place. Fight where Club. he just like no some weird former Soviet bloc country where oh. he just would like make like change up the days of the year when you got to 60 you aged backwards. So like I don't understand why every dictator just doesn't get there because they can say yes to everything. Yeah, so you just like how do you not just go completely fucking crazy? Yeah, I think most of the time it does happen. <laughs> I think yeah. that there are there are certain um, like concessions made from the position of the dictator to his council, whatever council he's made in order to have the best information because I don't know, in some respect, it seems like China operates as a dictatorship, but it, it also seems like it operates as a bit of a, uh, like a loyal committee. Cause there's no yeah. fucking way that Winnie the Pooh knows everything that is going on in China right now. He defers, he delegates yeah. roles to people that he trusts who are knowledgeable and country, effective. Right? Yeah. Exactly. It's a, it's a yeah. normal government. It's just headed by one guy who will never step down. So like, He's got a McNamara, I bet, yeah? Real good with numbers. And, man, yeah. the thing when McNamara was in school talking about getting the best seat in mm. the class when he was up against, like, Asians and how he was kind of laughing, being like, yeah, after school, they would go do, like, their ethnic studies and then come back and try and be like white Irish kids. <laughs> and he's like laughing. No, and I was like, he said they, they tried to come back and beat the white oh. Irish kid. Oh, I thought yeah. I misunderstood. Yeah. I thought it was just like, oh, they were coming back trying to be like us. No. Yeah. So but they I came back it. to try and beat, uh, beat him. Um, yeah. Which they never could do. But, yeah. So, but man, the guy has the best middle name in the world. Yeah. That was yeah. funny. Yeah. 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 He do, he really does like confusing his future wife. Yeah, where she's like, stop fucking around. Is she's like, what's your middle name? Well, my middle name's Strange. Well, yeah, okay, it's Strange, but what is it? My <laughs> yeah. middle name's Strange. It's like the Who's on First joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder, like, I wonder where that comes from, or like, yeah, if his parents, like, his dad too. was just like, <laughs> I'm like, what, what name? I've never heard someone named Strange. I don't know. There is a. Um, guy in the MLB, D. Strange Gordon. D. Strange Gordon. Yep. Why is it always a middle name? Because uh, it's it's a strange middle name. Get oh, out of here! That, <laughs> I'm leaving. 
Uh, I wish he had got his doctorate, though. He could have been Doctor Strange. <laughs> oh, he could have been. Yeah. <sighs> you so win far. some, you lose some. Um, Kennedy's like, I got a Doctor Strange in my cabinet. I'm like, ooh, that's fancy. <laughs> what, what does that mean? The comic came out in like 72. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't get this reference. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I I don't know what, the did whole, you like, the did whole you like guy's it? life I, was I, like yeah. surrounded by war. I, I, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's very true. I, I did like it. Um, I, yeah, it, it was very well done, I think. Yeah. Um, did you ever pick up on the role of the Interotron? Yeah. So basically it's like a thing that in front of the camera, so like when he looks into the camera, like he can see, um, kind of what he see. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to look more into what it actually did, but it's I, it's some kind of teleprompter. I thought that it was going to be displaying all the tough questions that were going to be like uh, difficult to deliver as an interviewer. That like you say like oh so how do you feel about the Vietnam War? There's no way to deliver th- anything from a human that's not imbued with some kind of emotionality. It's just, it's impossible because humans can't extricate their emotions from themselves. So if you're asking someone some really sensitive questions, you accidentally might uh, load them with emotion and then it's going to get a different answer. But if the interviewee has to read them off of a teleprompter, they, it's, it's unbiased. So this is what the Interatron does. Okay. Um, so basically, Errol Morris had two cameras set up one facing um, um, Robert McNamara, mm-hmm. one facing himself. He, he was looking at a different camera. So they could have, like, probably behind the scenes, if they needed to, um, like, cut footage back and forth, like, if they are showing him on screen. So he was on camera as well. So the Interatron... Errol Morris had a camera on him? Yeah. But they weren't in the same room? They were in the same no, room. We yeah. What the fuck... Well, like a lot of interviewers, like if you're interviewing someone, you want to sh- cut back and forth to the person because it, it was originally made for a PBS series, like a, a one hour PBS series. Oh, so it would have been like over the shoulder. Uh, yeah. And so, so with an interviewer, like you can cut back, you can show the interviewer asking the question, then it switches to the uh, interviewee and you don't have to have like two cameras, right? Making everything. Like, yeah, make it look like it wouldn't look like a talk show. It would look like how I'm looking at you and Tyler right now. Yeah. Oh. And so basically the Interatron shows the feed from Errol Morris's camera to, to McNamara. So he, they looks like they're looking at each other. Oh, but they're actually looking at the camera. Yeah. They're each oh. looking at, they're each looking at different cameras. Oh yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Cause even if there was two cameras, you would see the line of eyesight that McNamara is not looking right at the camera. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, yeah, he'd be looking right at Errol Morris's face, and Errol Morris's face would have to be the lens of a camera. Yeah. But in essence, it is. Yeah. Oh, I gotcha. All right. So, so they yeah, could essentially look at each other eye to eye and have two cameras. Correct. Interesting. They did like old school video chat. Yes. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. It, it was the first uh, first iteration of FaceTime in 2003. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like actually, late it was technology. True FaceTime because they were in the same room. Yeah. Was this pioneered by Morris? Like this was the first time something like that had ever been done? No, not in this documentary. He he'd invented that years earlier. Oh, and then but, just utilized it. Yeah, he utilized oh, it uh, in this gotcha. documentary. 
Neat. Um, yeah. And I think most people don't use a teleprompter in that way, right? No. Uh, well, that's why that, it, like, it screwed with how I was imagining that interview was going. Because, like, at some points in the documentary, you can hear Morris, like, yell out questions yeah. and respond. Yeah. And they were just having a normal conversation. It's quite pointed. But, um, yeah, I was confused as to where the Interatron was going to start kicking in. But yep. The whole thing. I see. Yeah. It's the entire documentary. Yeah. Well, so except good, for the archive. Yeah. So effective. It's beautiful. Yeah. So he, um, McNamara, grew up basically at the, during the, uh, the Spanish flu epidemic. Yeah. Uh, or he was born two years before uh, it's, excuse me, it started. Um, so, and he talks about, you know, how he wasn't allowed to go outside without wearing a mask. Yeah. Uh, and Didn't bitch about hey, it man, either. Yeah. Hey man, brother, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of like a, not a, not a real connection, but kind of a weird. It's kinda, timely enough. Yeah. yeah. Weird connection to, uh, to our, uh, when, do you know time. when the Spanish flu sort of spanned? I think it was after, 1918. After after the first world war when everyone came home interesting yeah. so like a hundred years called, later yeah. we get an equally devastating it's, pandemic yeah. 102 it's called the spanish flu because spain wasn't involved in yeah. the first world war and they were the first ones globally to be like we got a problem here then everyone else was like it came from spain and they're like no that's not what we're saying oh really yeah yeah, so it yeah. Did, i was waiting for the punchline i was like no, uh, it didn't no, originate that's, in that's, spain or anything oh yeah. really it was oh, a yeah. it was a marketing job yeah. So, yeah. Really. So Propaganda. No. No. CBS. Ha CBS has a um, show about marketing and like old school advertising mm -hmm. um, oh, on CBC it. Radio. Oh and yes. One of their episodes was about the Spanish flu and why oh, it was called. Cool. And it, it was literally a marketing job to lessen the um, pointed hate on other countries. Hmm. Yeah. It, it, pretty interesting. <laughs> Don't hate Germans, hate Spanish people. Yeah. Like, oh, that makes sense. They haven't been picked on in a while. We just go lateral with our racism. We don't go down. <laughs> um, so yeah, so basically, yeah, Spanish flu was a <laughs> was a marketing ploy. But Interesting. Crazy. And then yeah, I guess he never got the Spanish flu, right? No. He I don't know. Say, yeah. He got polio. That yeah, was I was weird. gonna say, guy got fucking polio. That's crazy. Yeah, him and his wife. Yeah, same time. Yeah. Strange. I don't know how polio communicates. Like, I don't know if it uses Twitter uh, or in the water direct messaging. It's water based. Yeah, like the game. Oh. Yeah, water polio. Water polio. <laughs> Until water you polio. say the whole phrase, I'm like, this is stupid fucking. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's a waterborne water disease. Um, Excellent. And you can from horses too. Yep. Regular polo. Okay. That's the um, worst kind. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, a funny little connection to uh, to our day and age now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, like, this is one of the as much as I like it. I don't know how much there's to talk about it. No, no, no. Um, Listen. Yeah, I, I got will. something. Well, I got something we could talk about. Okay. Yeah. Crazy Curtis LeMay, when he was like. We should just fucking bomb Cuba, fucking butt fuck Russia. We got we got all the missiles. We can do it because in the future, some shit's going to go down. And I was watching this and I was like, hmm, Curtis mm -hmm. May might have a point. <laughs> so there's two things that are rather poignant because I was like, damn, 
He, yeah. If he was alive right now, he'd be like, I fucking told you, sons of bitches. He'd be getting in a plane right now, buying a nuke from Russia and then using it on them. Yeah, what, yeah. What, like, can, can you imagine if they had have just wiped Cuba off the map? Oh, oh. That was one of the scariest parts about this documentary. Yeah. Like, he was, insists think- that they were, like, a hair away from yeah. total destruction and, like... I guess they kind of fucking were like if anything had have happened, like Castro would have just pulled all the yeah. triggers and but everything would have been fucked. Well, do you that- think when uh, McNamara met with Castro years later and was asking him, like had the three questions, like, did you know that there yeah. was missiles? Would you have used them? And like, what would you have done? Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, I knew they were there. And like, yeah, I said we would have used them because I was the one that was like, let's use them. Yeah. And then I would have like, I know Cuba would have been destroyed, but I would have blown up a bunch of shit too. And you guys would have done the same thing. And McNamara was like, oh, no way, no way. I feel if I was Fidel, I would have done that just to fuck with them. Because I'm like, America's trying to kill me for the last 45 fucking years. Yeah. yeah. Give fuck this all them. these people. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to say the wildest shit. It'd be like, yeah, I would have rode in with a goddamn dinosaur throwing nukes on cleveland and like you're crazy like yeah whatever so yeah, that's I a good like, point I feel like that was him just kind of fucking with, <laughs> that with that whole conversation i in my mind when i was watching i was like curtis like not curtis lemay <laughs> mcnamara's got the worst fucking memory because this sounds 100 percent made up because like he was <laughs> what like 84 when he was filming this yeah like he was he was in his 80s at least yeah. and i've known some pretty fucking spry on the ball 80 year olds but I don't know, like brain damage, high stress, old guy, like chemicals and shit. You don't believe that conversation happened? I definitely believe it happened. But like, have you ever remembered a conversation from 60 years ago? This oh. is a bit of a ludicrous about that, like, uh, Maybe a conversation like that, though, dude. Yeah. That was like my, that my was grandpa... something where like the world as we know, it's going to end. That's not like, oh. oh, I thought I read a book last week and I forgot I, yeah, about it. I realized my but... grandpa's 94. He is sharp as a tack. Like yeah. you can ask him about stuff. Like, yeah, like I, I, I believe full well. McNamara wasn't just like fluffing it up because he, he didn't remember exactly what happened, but like he can relate the sentiments. Yeah, and, and, and like Mitch said, right. like that, that's a pretty, like, huge conversation in yeah. your life, right? Like, but this guy was white knuckling it for a decade. Like, and this was just after the decade. So like, maybe, maybe your mind was a little loose. So You're in he Cuba. Met, he met him in 92, right? Oh, so like way longer. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah. I think it was 92 and he had a cushy job at the bank of uh, the world bank for the last, uh, you know, 30 years. Yeah. Um, he's losing. It's like, obviously no, that's I, how <laughs> he got to meet fucking Castro. Like, yeah, I suppose <laughs> this guy gets crazy jobs. Like you think he ever worked for like Blackwater or some like real gnarly shit? I, <laughs> Not had, on the books. Three jobs in his life, three major jobs: Ford, yeah. mm. the government, Not. and then he went straight from the government to World Bank. He worked at that florist. But when yeah. he did the the GM test, yeah, the florist or a coal miner. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, I I was a florist when I was a kid, so I picked coal miner for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, like oh, you crazy American. No, I did he say he picked coal miner? I thought he said he picked florist because he was no, a florist. No, he was but, he was a florist yeah. when he was a kid, but he picked coal miner for the obvious yeah. reason. Cool, because the question like, I think was I'm, if you could be anything between like if you could be a florist or a coal miner, what yeah. would you choose? And then he's like, Well, I've already been a florist, so I guess I would like to explore 
coal mine. Yeah, but I, that's a deeper question because I feel that that's a, like you want a cushy ass weird job or a oh. job that's dangerous and like you're yeah. just going in no questions asked. So that's okay, I'm gonna be the coal miner. That is that's exactly what that question I think was designed for. Now that's a a piece of I think what I sense about um, McNamara throughout this entire documentary is that he's um. I don't even know how to say it. Like he's, uh, he's a good company man. Um, he's he's willing to do those jobs, not the the cushy jobs or the shitty jobs, but um, he he doesn't let on that he is aware of what is going on, but in fact he's completely aware of what's going on. Um, but he plays dumb because I don't think I think he knows that people don't like when those things are lorded over them. So when uh, Ford was just like, "Hey, like, do you want to do you want to come work for us?" He, in his mind, he's like, "Absolutely." Like, I see no reason why not to. He eventually did. Like, quite soon after that was posed to him, I like he's a smart guy. I never once have thought that McNamara was McNamara was a stupid person. Like, he's quite intelligent. He's pretty fucking quick. I don't think he takes a long time to figure things out. He immediately wanted the job, but that makes you look eager. And being eager is sort of being immature. It's not cool. It doesn't, it makes you look like you care too much, which is weirdly ineffective in terms of like posturing and business shit. So I think he was just like, no, man, like get away from me. Like he's literally playing hard to get in, in the business world. And I think that he... I think he sort of plays dumb, like he plays the fool, but in fact, he's completely aware. So when that question was posed to him, he's just like, oh, I think coal mining would be fun because I've already been a florist. Be like, no, you fucking know the sentiment of the question. You completely understand. But he, when he, designed, he designed the question. That was the whole thing. Like, the, he I suppose he did work on he, them. Yeah, he designed yeah. the test uh, um, to get them, right? Yeah. Yeah, and him and yeah. the other execs at GM or at Ford, sorry, were called the whiz kids because they were all like, they like when he talks about getting the smartest people. Yeah. And I think that board is like a, like a legendary board of like all these dudes went on to do crazy shit. Yeah. Which I don't I know anyone do. else that was on the board, but I just remember seeing that yeah. about him. So, yeah. It just... Uh... Yeah, it's, it struck me that he was never willing to... Like, he considers himself better, higher, and on a pedestal than yeah. everyone. But he knows that he can't deliver that sentiment directly without some qualifications yeah. and a bit of downplay. Man, his friends must have... It must have been such a great day when they won an argument against him. Yeah. Like, the one time that that happens, they're like, fuck yeah. He says like, granite instead of granted. Yeah. He takes gotcha. things for granted. Like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I just, there was something about McNamara throughout this that just, uh, I don't know, like you think, I just don't like the deceit. Like you think you're better than everyone? Just own it. He's like just, just be there. His, just a guy of his times that like he just was a kid in the First World War and then like in his late 20s, 30s in the second and then was like kind of running shit in Vietnam. I don't know. He doesn't really talk about what he did in Korea or if he was, I don't think he was in the military then. Yeah. He was probably actually, no, he was probably, oh, he would have been at Ford. Cause yeah. yeah it was the 50s. Ford. Yep. So yeah, it's just like, man, this guy who's just 
is just his life is surrounded by war like that's fucking crazy yeah i read uh a small write-up on a guy i think his name was smelding butler that um, name sounds familiar smedley 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 yeah. butler um he was a, a u.s marine um but awarded the medal of honor twice a couple of other pretty fucking ridiculous uh, medals i think he's got like a total of 15 all for uh, bravery and honor um one of the most decorated u.s military members ever and uh but then he he was he was eventually a general i think and then he decided to quit like he just he retired out of the military and then went on massive u.s tours cross country for like 20 years speaking out against the military he prevented oh, cool. an assassination attempt and then a coup attempt against uh uh roosevelt does that make sense he died in like 1940 Oh, maybe yeah. 45. So like he, yeah, he was, he was pretty early, but um, yeah, he wrote a book afterwards. After some of these tours, he compiled his lecture notes and uh, wrote a book. I think it was called war is a racket. That's, <laughs> that, like, yeah, that's, that, that, that's, yeah, fucking that book hilarious. yeah. So like, I don't know. It's just, it, it's, that would uh, be it's a, a funny sweet book thing. to read. Like the most decorated military uh, member ever yeah. to live all with honors and, like not medals of like, um, like accidents or things that you've just simply survived, yeah. but like you, deliberate you killed, actions. You killed all the Germans that yeah. were in front of you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So like, good job, dude. And like he got the two medal of honors, uh, medals of honor for two different incidents. But then, anyways, he he leaves the military, and uh, writes a book called "War Is a Racket," and it essentially is just he's like a hitman for big business and corporations. Um governments use him as a hired gun to instill and install their uh, policies and to uh, like to, to form control mechanisms over other countries essentially right um and it's it crazy was just, that, uh, that was going on then that like he knew that then that they're mm -hmm. like oh this guy was in like the 50s 60s they're like coming out of vietnam they're like no the first world war I'm like what the fuck mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. He was a part of the banana, banana wars. I think they were called. Yeah. The banana. Yeah. Installing in the, like puppet governments in South America. Yeah. But well, that's uh, kind of what uh, McNamara tried to do in Vietnam. It was, that was a funny story when he was like, I felt really bad about the South Vietnamese guy. Did you know that guy was a dictator? Like he was straight up. It South wasn't Vietnamese like a democracy. The South Vietnamese yeah yeah he was like a dictator that was sided with the americans like they, i don't they didn't have like free elections that like yay we're all free and we're fighting for freedom like, i think that that's a, what it, that's what they were trying to do though no yeah but he was a dictator and the americans were just like i guess we'll go they were doing like old like version one of what they did in the middle east now like we so, picked this guy like this they guy sided cool. with the dictator yeah yeah and they're like, no, 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 this guy's in power. And the only reason he's in power is because he has Smith & Wesson American rifles so that he can fucking just mow everyone down. Um, and they're like, oh, shit. So the whole thing is just fucking crazy. But, yeah, for McNamara to be smart enough to be like, we don't even need, like, we should not even be here. Like, we need to get the yeah. fuck out of here. Um, and then, like, 
when he was talking about like his one rule. Uh, let me just go back and see what they were. Um, when he's like, yeah, you have to be prepared to re-examine your reasoning. Um, so basically, like he said, they met with the Vietnamese, and the Vietnamese were like, "Why? Like, why did you think we needed saving from the the Chinese? We have been fighting yeah. the Chinese forever. We had yeah. no problem with the Chinese. We would have." Given everything we could to to fight off the Chinese, like yeah. we, we didn't, fucked up the we didn't need you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and that's yeah with the French too. Like they they saw the Americans coming in as essentially a replacement to French rule, which yeah they were not happy with as well. Yeah. So, no. Like of course. Like what did you expect? So so that's where he's saying you have to reexamine. Like oh shit, maybe we we're there for the wrong reasons. We yeah. we thought we were there for a certain reason. But that reason was made up in our heads. I just, I guess that's kind of, that's kind of my bullshit uh, detector, like alarming against McNamara. Cause I I know that it wasn't his choice to fucking go there, but Jesus fucking Christ. Like he's, he's playing the game that did choose to go there eventually. I just, I don't know. I can't get behind any of that kind of shit. But I I think. At, like when they first went there, I, I think they thought they're going to, to liberate uh, these people from the Chinese or or whatever it was, right? But that that means the that it didn't comments. start with conversations, dialogues, debates, negotiations. Right. It, it started but with wars. Never do. I guess, but then this wasn't a war. This was an invasion. Right. I mean, invasions never do either. Uh, even more right. so than wars. But like, it's just. And like, I don't think we can fault him for that. Like, that's, no, not McNamara. Yeah. No, not at all. But um, I don't know. Like he, so say he wasn't Minister of Defense. Are they called ministers? Secretary. Secretaries. Um, say he wasn't Secretary of Defense when the war started. He does he not read the news? Like does he? He knows a bunch of people, right? Like he's the president of the fucking Ford Motor Company. He's probably making something for the U.S. military. You can just you can you can be sure of that, in some capacity. Um, I don't know. Like you just you think that this is all good. You don't ask any questions. That you're okay with taking that job because you think that it's justified. I know that there was a lot of things hidden from the public. But the U.S. Of, as a whole thought it was justified at first. No, I guess that's yeah. what I mean. Is that from from the outside that looks fine. But then you realize as either you take the job or more information comes out, because I don't know exactly when um, he uh, took the job and I don't know when Vietnam started. But uh, I, I assume that he wasn't the Secretary of Defense when Vietnam started, because if that was the case, I'm sure they would have gotten the data or something. They would but, have done more yeah. reconnaissance. So this meeting with the Vietnamese wasn't until years later. Right. And and he's like, oh, fuck, seriously? Like, like, like he was just learning that, like, as... Mm-hmm. He was just learning the, the details from the Vietnam Vietnamese side, saying, like, oh, fuck, we didn't need you. Like, we, yeah. we didn't want you here. Um, I guess, but, like, that's that's sort of it, is that it's... It's, it's bereft of any kind of dialogue that you think that you're going to help these people, but you haven't actually talked to them yet. What the fuck? Right. But like, again, I, that, doesn't happen, that, that doesn't happen anywhere. 
No, but it definitely does. Like if we go in and we help Ukraine, it's because we've talked to them in some capacity. I don't think the U.S. talked to Iraq or Afghanistan or. <laughs> no, and I don't it's think because we, it's a different reason. But I don't think we did either. No, but, we were stiff armed into that one. But like, that's because the invasion of Iraq, Afghanistan, and uh, the rest of them, and I would include Vietnam with this, was not a genuine. Um, movement like this wasn't legitimate it was meant to topple what we saw from the outside um, as the building essentially of a communist or a dictatorship or an independent state or a state with a great deal of resources and they were going to be little bitches about them so and the u.s just couldn't have that because it's the greatest oil reserve i think in the fucking world besides russia vietnam no no not vietnam that was political but iraq and afghanistan was definitely um resource-based and i think it was also strategic too that if they could manipulate control and be buddy buddies with uh that part of the world they could install military bases like super easy and have participants and probably secretly and more effectively uh, fucking help israel but it was more strategic because that's halfway to china and directly south of russia so like those are the only two people that anyone gives a shit about from the Americans' perspective, no one else is a threat because no one else can match. Like these, it's just natural. I think that that's pretty easy to see. But no, Vietnam, like there was no communication there to begin helping because apparently that's what it was supposed to be. Who does that? And then secondly, like I guess Iraq was the same fucking thing. Yeah, well, that? And, th- and that's just what I'm saying. I think everyone does that. Uh, no, but that's why I said Ukraine is yeah. because Ukraine from the outside looks like exactly what the fuck it is. Nothing was happening. And like, no one's jumped in to help Ukraine militarily because it's a fucking sensitive situation, but that's because it's a real situation. Whereas Vietnam and Iraq, they were invented situations for ulterior reasons. That it it looks like it's a war or an invasion, which is you're like, oh, of course there's no dialogue, but... They like the Americans instigated both of those things in the beginning. I mean, there, so, was, there was fighting in Vietnam. Of course, there's no right. dialogue. Yeah, there was fighting in Vietnam. But what the fuck does that have to do with the states? Right. So, but the states are allied with with one side, so they go into to help. Right. But like, <laughs> what about the rest of the world? What about Africa? Like, what about South America? Like, no, it's it's complete bullshit. I I just don't think that it was a legitimate action um, because it wasn't supposed to be. If it was, we would have seen that play out way differently because that's that's how real wars go. But this wasn't yeah, a like, real war. This was the Americans wanting to press American values across the world because well, they think they're right. But I mean, I think there was like, there, there was discussions with one side, the side that they, like, they, they aligned with. I, yeah. And I then mean, the, the other side's the one that's like, we, we didn't need you. Like, yeah. this was not... Where you should have been, like the side that ended up winning, anyways. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. yeah. I just, Overall, um, it's a fucked up situation completely. Yeah, it just—I don't know. This kind of shit bothers me for sure, clearly. But so it—it it made the documentary hard to watch because this this list of eleven axioms that McNamara lays down, a lot of them are pretty common sense. Um, a lot of them are really old, and some of them I think uh, are are laid down as axioms that you can hinge your world around 
when in fact those are actually open-ended questions. He's just decided to take a side on them. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that they're answered just because someone chooses a side. That means that you chose a side to an unanswered question, which we all do every day. We all have to pick a side at some point. You can't live your life undecided because if you do, you're not living. Someone's living your life for you. But yeah, I think a lot of these were um, so a little bit short-sighted. Really? See, see, that's where like I, I wholeheartedly disagree. Like, some people like I know. I know everyone has empathy, but empathize with your enemy. When someone, especially someone in his position, you, you don't think of them as empathizing with with people who they're going up against, right? And he's saying that, geez, no. Now that I've been through it, yeah, you have to do that. You have to like empathize with them because if you don't. You're just going to do stuff out of hate and spite and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I guess, but then would you not say that empathizing with your enemy would make them eventually not even your enemy? That's the goal. Right. right that's the goal. But like, yeah. then why is that even, why is that a rule? Well, because at some point they are your enemy. I guess I, I, I just like, it's, <laughs> it, it seems to be, um, a, a little bit. I don't know, like self-righteous. But like, I think if you don't empathize with them, then they'll never not be your enemy. They're always be your enemy. Yeah, but then like if if you if everyone should choose to empathize with their enemy, really, there are no enemies that if you... I, no, I don't agree with that. So some guy cuts you off on, on the road and you're just fucking blasting him and you give him the finger... And then you think, wow, okay, maybe he's having a bad day. Mm. So if you don't do that, you're going to continue to be fucking mad at that guy. And maybe you chase him down. And maybe you threaten him and want to fight him. But if you think, oh, fuck, he cut me off. Okay. You know, I fucking hate that guy. He's an asshole. But maybe he's having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Like, those are two very different things. Right? But then the rule's useless. I don't think it is. I like I guess so yeah. th- this is something that I had mentioned earlier yeah. that this is this is a list that I think would require two full episodes to just go through point by sure. point. And I don't I don't know that the documentary really hit them home. Um I think it either it left them not enough was said about them or uh too much was said all around them without actually hitting that nail on the head. Um I don't know. I just, I, maybe I'm biased against this list because it's coming from the person that it's coming from, from the system that they were living within and the actions that that system uh, performed. And I just, I don't support almost any of those things. So this, this small ineffectual list of things from that is also ineffectual. Mitch, what do you think? Is Mitch there still? Yeah, I got to stop talking. No, I don't. Mitch is just looking at us like something's going wrong. <laughs> oh, well. I know he can hear us. Yeah. He's just ignoring us because he's like, fuck these guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Finally. I don't know. My mic was fucking up. That was weird. Wait, have you been trying um, to talk this whole time? <laughs> no, oh. I don't think so. Okay, good. I haven't really said anything that pony, and so it doesn't matter. Um. Do you think this could have been done better that if 
like if it was done now on like a Netflix type thing where it was like a series. So like each episode is like there's 11 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I, go, I, th- I think that would have been great. Go like right in on it. Um, and like I'll elaborate yeah. more on his questions. <laughs> I, yeah. So that's, that's where I was going to go in that I, I think it could have been a lot better if Errol Morris didn't do it. But see, yeah. So did you have an issue with Thin Blue Line then? Um, yes and no. I'll have to go back and listen. Um, it's been a while and we've watched a lot yeah. since then, but, uh, I was, I don't know. I, ever since I knew that Errol Morris backed pretty heavily the act of war or the act of killing, I just kind of written him off. I'm like, why the fuck do you keep doing this? Like he did standard operating procedure, which gives a voice to people who I don't know that I give too much a shit about. Um, he did thin blue line, which was obviously an interesting story because it put into question like like that's an interesting story though it is an interesting story i guess um how shit rolls downhill Mm -hmm. it does for sure and it was nice to hear the perspective of the people who the shit fell on but um i it just it it doesn't ever seem like enough it's not enough for me to sit down for two hours and watch mcnamara try to justify the rest of his life or his life lived so far I don't really give a fuck if I want to sit down, have that exist, have it be watched. And then Errol Morris finds someone who can discuss at length each one of these propositions that McNamara puts down, like maybe an actual professor of philosophy or a historian or just someone other than himself. Cause I, I think that he's a good documentary maker but does, is he a great participant in his own documentaries? I guess I'm saying no. Um, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's ever enough. It feels like he picks a scab and he just lets it bleed. I can't wait till we find an Errol Morris doc that Christian absolutely loves the content of. And, I yet, wanna, he, I, and he has I, to have that, that debate within himself. Do I yeah. hate Errol Morris enough? Oh, man. <laughs> to, I don't want to find that. To dislike the content? Like the best fucking documentary on this like guy that makes like the world's best pocket knives and christian the whole time is just mm-hmm. gonna be like what like this is the coolest fucking no. subject how that if he like fucks anything up in it he'll be like no you fucked this up that's actually garbage. uh this type of metal and earl said it was this you're like all right buddy well you're just, do you're your just homework happy. yeah yeah. Know your medals, you fucking idiot. Like, all right, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like this documentary. I said that at the beginning that it's it was a good documentary. It's just uh the actual Yeah. Um like the 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 subject was maybe just not fleshed out enough. And I, I'm asking a lot for something that was supposed to be like a PBS one hour interview. Yeah. I think we're also getting a lot of content out of a person who has some shit in their closet that they could like they he's been privy to conversations that you're like these are like history changing conversations yeah so he could have just been like i don't i just want to be old and chill and not talk about this Mm. but that's what i said earlier like it's interesting that i can't think of anyone else that would have been in that position that'd be like i'll do it like chris or like tyler said with rumsfeld like there's no way he didn't like oh no fucking way i'm not doing that yeah and this like um Oh fuck! We just had this one recently. Uh, it, like this is this is excellent as uh, existing for history. That mm-hmm. people are going to look back and be like, "Oh, who was involved in the Vietnam War? Oh, who was the Secretary of Defense? McNamara." 
there's mm-hmm. a documentary on him and he sits down and talks about all these questions. Not exactly, but yeah. fucking close, which is, it is valuable. It's super valuable. And the I doc thought- isn't, it's not hard to watch. It's, it's super easy to watch because McNamara is yeah. a great storyteller. Even like future politicians, like definitely yeah. watch this to be like, oh yeah, this is to understand how to play the game from his perspective. Like obviously the game's changed now, but there's still... But the relevant. players are the same. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Morris did Mr. Death too. Oh, oh. the the electric chair yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Don't know how to say his own last name. Luther. Loser. Luther. Luther. Lucas Oil. Whatever his name was. Frederick Loser Luther. <laughs> Frederick Loser Luger Luther. Oh, so you know how we we're talking about Donald Rumsfeld? Yeah. Uh, Did he fucking do one? He, he, Errol Morris has a documentary with Rumsfeld called The Unknown Known. Wow. Oh, yeah, because Rumsfeld was the one of like, we can, like, the known unknowns and unknown yeah. unknowns or something. That yeah. They're like, what the fuck does that even mean? So, yeah, it says former U.S. Uh, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld discusses his career in Washington, D.C. from his right. days well, as a congressman in the early 60s to planning the invasion of Iraq. So we got to put this one on the list for a Christian. Right. We do. And we've proved, Tyler, that we don't know politicians. Yeah. Like, There's no way they would have done that. And like, oh, I guess I guess they did. That's right. Huh. Cool. People are so complicated. They are. They get old and they're like, I got to justify my wild youth. Fuck it. I'll talk about anything. I ran through the desert. Isn't and that amazing? <laughs> That's an amazing position to be in. I because do, I don't know at all if that would be something that someone ever has ever done, but I guess it's like a deathbed confession that at the end of your life you're like, oh. like in the grand grand scheme of history, nothing will matter, like yeah, <laughs> like a super fucking brutalized quote by Friedrich Nietzsche. Uh, at one point, uh, this animal on this planet called Earth invented something that they called truth. And eventually, the ices came, froze the planet, the sun went out, and nothing fucking matters at all. So, like, at the end of it, as McNamara or Rumsfeld or Bush or fucking Clint, anybody, like, all these fucking American guys, um, why not? Because like, you're going to die. Life yeah. will go on. Why not just lay your fucking cards down on the table, walk out, be like, fucking deal with it, everybody. You can yeah. just have at it. Chew my head off because these fucking worms are doing the same. You guys might as well too. So I think we, all, we also need to watch uh, one. It's called Tabloid. Mm. It's a documentary about a former Miss Wyoming who was charged with abducting and imprisoning a young Mormon missionary. What the Dude, it's fuck? It's so good. Yeah? It's so good. Have you watched it? It's, it's so good. It's huh. so good. It's rated, it's rated R too. Neat. Yeah. I wonder Dude. if they have like house yeah, footage. Like, she does like I think they're like reading like a deposition or something that happens and then it cuts to her and she's like basically like, Well, Tom, he was having fun. And you're like, Oh shit, <laughs> this Mormon kid just got caught and then was like, I was kidnapped and raped. And she's like, Hey, hey, calm down. Come on. We had a good you time, you and I. So from what I remember, but it was like a weird like it's a crazy story. On the uh on the poster, so it has tabloid, the uh the uh, title, and then underneath it says uh, an Errol Morris film, but 
film is kind of scratched out and there's love story posted over top of it. <laughs> so it sounds like, yeah, like she abducted him, quote unquote, mm. but really ran that was away, the tabloid ran away and uh, wanted to be with this Miss Wyoming. And mm. as a Mormon missionary, that was probably not looked too. That was a big no. He took his uh, savings that he was going to use for his yeah. mission. His mission got a little too wild. <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, 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 I, I don't have one. anything against Morris. It just it seems to be that what I've seen about him so far, he he just never does the subject due diligence. Like like if Ken Burns did an interview with uh, McNamara, they'd still be fucking filming. Like there would be yep. hours and hours well, of shit to talk about. The la- the well, last maybe the last uh, little while would have been really boring. He died in two thousand nine. Can you imagine? <laughs> Ken Burns is like, answer the question. <laughs> answer it. It's a real one-sided conversation here, Mr. <laughs> McLemore. You're letting I'm the not- American people down. He's dead. Oh, what? Okay. Oh, fuck. So our next one is a... Uh, is a, uh, a... A cartoon. Is it a documentary? Yeah, it's a documentary. Oh, wait, but it's all animated? Yeah. Neat. Waltz with Bashir? What yeah. is it? Waltz with Bashir. Yeah. Waltz mm. with Bashir? Bashir. Bashir. How did I know that? Have you seen it? Uh, I, I've seen parts of it. My buddy uh, in school, my roommate, watched it. It's about huh. some war in the Middle East and a guy getting out. Or so, a war somewhere. Waltz it's with all Bashir. Anthony. Neat. Yeah. It's, it's famous. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I have... I don't think I've heard of another documentary that's done completely animated. Not that I know of. I'm trying to think. Animated stuff within documentaries, sure, but completely yeah. animated. I don't think I've ever seen like a rotoscope documentary, like Waking Lifestyle, where they like film it and then write over. Right. Like, yeah. And a doc like that would be cool, but hmm. you'd need an insane budget. Yeah. There's a Keanu Reeves movie that was like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called, but. Anyways, the Matrix. I think. Cool. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll be back next week with Bashir, with Waltz with Bashir. This one's also available on uh, YouTube for free. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's an old one. Yeah, two thousand eight. Have you guys? We haven't done this in a while. Have you guys been watching any documentaries on your own? Uh, I think we talked. I don't know if we talked about it while recording, but Our Father is fucking insane. Oh yeah, I haven't watched it yeah. yet, but I've heard it is gross. It's it's wild. Uh, I've heard people talking about it in the wild too. Like I'm yeah. just walking around. And yeah. Well, it's on Netflix, houses. so it's one of those ones that's easily consumable. Yeah. Is um, it? A, it's a series or a no, one shot? It's, uh, it's a one shot. Yeah, hour and a half. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, Good. I watched the documentary on like the Judd Apatow documentary on George Carlin. Oh, neat. yeah, that good. sounds fun. Yeah, it was good. Huh. Sick. Yeah. That would be cool to watch. I yeah. wanted to see that. What was that on? It's on. Uh, it's on HBO. Um, oh. So up here in Canada, it's on Crave. Mm. Oh, okay. But, uh, I think I, I um, sure. I yeah, watch that. it's I, I didn't know a lot about. I, I, I didn't know as much as I thought I knew about George Carlin. Dude, mm. how funny did Carlin look when he was younger in like a suit and doing oh, yeah. like proper comedy? Yeah. And then yeah. he just like gets drugs and goes up on stage and is like, ah, <laughs> like saying wild just shit. Just wears a sweater now. <laughs> but, so like he had like five distinctly different eras of comedy. Huh. Um, like he, he did his like his, yeah, suit and tie. You know, he, he had a partner. 
and they kind of riffed what? off each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I've never seen that. Yeah. Like I've I've never seen a, a bit like a stand up um special kind of thing, like a performance where that's actually been two people. But no, it was like they had like a like a comedy show, like a variety show type thing. Oh, it wasn't like they like they didn't tour no. with this thing. No. Okay. Um, wow, and different. like I think they start off on the radio because hmm. um, he was in the military. Then he started off as a like a DJ. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> that sounds awesome. Um, yeah, and then he kind of goes through, and then like his later is his you know dark period where like mm. basically just like fuck everything. He becomes <laughs> a bit of a misanthrope. Yeah, yeah. Imagine but, how much longer the Vietnam War would have gone on if his dark period was when he was on the radio as a DJ. Yeah. During the war. <laughs> Terrible. Um, you, Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. So very interesting. Uh, that's cool. And I think that's it. Yeah. I haven't watched anything new. Um, Did I talk on here of watching the trial of Adolf Eichmann? No. Uh, you, I don't know. We've talked about it in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before, it's pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. It sounds really like, good. It's because he was like one of the first. Well, first of all, I didn't know this, but during the Nuremberg trials, when like the allies took the Nazis to be like, we're taking you guys on trial for all the fucked up shit that you did. It wasn't ever really mentioned that like the stuff that they did to the Jewish population of Europe. Like Israel (laughs) wasn't a part of that. So Israel was kind of left out of it, like to be like, what the fuck? That's fucked up. Like, oh, you unjustly invaded Poland. and Yeah, so they kind of took it on themselves. Yes. They're like, well, someone else is going to go after these guys. Like, we'll go fucking get them. And huh. then they do, like, crazy-ass Mossad missions to go get this dude in Argentina mm. and then bring him back. But another thing that was crazy was there was people that were in Israel or different parts of Europe that didn't directly see the horrors of the Nazi regime. and Jewish people that came out of the concentration camps retelling their stories to fellow Jews and the fellow Jews being like, oh, my God, that's so terrible that these people went through so much trauma. They don't know reality from made up stuff. Wow. Like basically like the people didn't believe them. Like they were like, there's no way Germans can be or anyone can be this evil and do this shit like they just. Maybe they like punched your grandma and that's fucked up. Like there's no way they murdered your whole family, gassed them and then burnt them. Like that's what, so I was like, oh, that's <laughs> fucking crazy. That it sounds like a horror story. <laughs> yeah. Like there's yeah. cultures that are just like, Hey, whoa, 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 calm down. It couldn't have been that bad. Wow. And like, oh, whoa. And the whole time during the trial, Eichmann is like cool as a cucumber. Yeah. Like I didn't, I was just doing my job. I, that yeah. was, um, Something that was remarked on by uh, Hannah Arendt. She was a Jewish philosopher around that time, but she was also a journalist. I think she was a journalist as well. She probably was there because there was like all of the top world journalists were there. Like in the documentary, they Mm -hmm. say that like, oh, this guy, this guy. Like, I didn't know who they were, but you could tell that they're like important, important people. She wrote uh, a really, really... Uh, monumental work. I think it was called the banality of evil. And basically it just, it highlights that exact uh, notion of Eichmann that he's just so fucking boring. Like yeah, you was. read about like, uh, like rulers and dictators and evil scientists and just mad geniuses, but they're always like quite the character. 
but this was one yeah. of the most evil people alive on the face of the earth at the moment. It was just fucking boring. Like it was yeah, just, it was, it was like, very matter of fact and there was nothing exciting yeah. about him at all. Like the, the most head of logistics to make the trains run on time. And yeah, he made those trains run on time the whole time through the trial. He's like, I was just a subordinate. Like I was doing my job. And then at the end, they somehow find a recording that he did in Argentina with an old, uh, Nazi journalist who was like Eichmann is like basically like oh I had an awesome time during the war and it was it was pretty cool and then they play those tapes to be like oh you didn't actively participate check out what you said about this and then mm. that's when he's like fuck you got me <laughs> oh it's just fucking crazy he's like no 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 I was doing my job doing my job and then they're like no we got you fucking a yeah, it's it's a good one because it's it's very eye opening. Like just mm. like holy. Is it wow. on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm gonna have to check that out. Okay, so we will be back with uh, Waltz with Bashir next week. Waltz with Sweet. Bashir. And uh, yeah, you gentlemen have a good week, and uh, we will reconvene. Catch everyone later. See later. Ya.